Hello and welcome to Where Many Have Gone Before, the podcast where I, John D. Ruddy, watch Star Trek for the very first time. You're all very welcome to another episode. At the time of this release, it is a strange world that we're living in. I mean, no stranger than it has been in some ways because this has been bubbling underneath the surface for ages. But I would just like to shout out solidarity to everyone everyone involved in the protests, the Black Lives Matter protests. I've seen a lot of people decrying these protests, trying to use the looting to take away from the actual point of the protests themselves as if one thing negates the other. If you're able to switch off from all of this, if you're able to ignore all of this, if you're able to decide, you know what, I'm not going to let that affect me today, then you do so from a place of privilege. That's not necessarily a negative thing, but it is something for you to be aware of. Because there are many people out there who cannot switch off from this, who cannot ignore this because they cannot change the colour of their skin. If you can choose whether or not this affects you, then you do so from a position of privilege. And I hope listening to this podcast today might be able to give you a momentary escape, in the way as watching Star Trek has given me a slight momentary escape from all of this. As much as some of the problematic 1960s politics is in what I've been watching so far... At the same time, I am enjoying an optimistic vision of the future, where the Earth seems to have gotten beyond a lot of what we're going through now. Star Trek was a show written in the 1960s, and the 1960s was an absolute boiling pot of protest. You had the civil rights movement, second wave feminism, anti-war movement. Like you had the Vietnam War going on right then. At the start of the decade, you had the Cuban Missile Crisis where the entire world were literally worried about two guys potentially pressing the button that would kill everybody. Where we're at at the moment carries a lot of parallels. But at the same time, this is built on the foundations of the 1960s. What is happening today is built on the foundation of the 1960s. I think what people are observing is there are more people on side in these protests. uh, And there are more supporters of African Americans in this protest. There are more allies. But at the same time, there is very strong opposition in the White House itself. If you're listening to this and taking umbrage with what I'm saying right now, then I'd invite you to really question why that annoys you. But for now, I present to you this week's episode, which was recorded a couple of weeks ago, which is why I'm in a slightly better mood in that one. This episode, myself and Mr. Michael Letty will be talking about the episodes Mud's Women and What Are Little Girls Made Of? Enjoy. Hello and welcome again. Here we are for another episode, well, another couple of episodes in this particular podcast. Mr. Michael Eddy, you're very welcome. 
Uh, thank you very much. I am very happy to be here. Looking forward to talking about some classic Star Trek once again. Absolutely. How has your week been? It's been a good week. No Star Trek for me this week, but uh, lots of comic oh. books and uh, lots of other fun. Um, so it's been a good week. What comic books have you been reading? I have been reading Marvel comics from the year 1988 because I'm working my way through the complete Marvel reading order. That was the year before I was born. Oh, you're <laughs> such a little baby. Well, it, that was the year when Wolverine got his own series and that's where Ooh. I am at the moment. He finally, throughout the 80s, I was reading, uh, not just me, but a lot of people reading X-Men were like, this guy is great. Why don't they give him his own series? And then finally they did. And eventually they did. And that was the year it happened. So I'm at that stage and I've read the storyline that started it, Save the Tiger. And I'm about to read, uh, this afternoon I'll be reading issue one, two and three of his own regular series. My first interactions with Marvel. Funnily enough, actually, my first interaction with Marvel Comics was that Sesame Street had <laughs> had a comic. And when I was like three or four, uh, my mom would buy me Sesame Street comics. But I always remember it had the Marvel Comics logo up, uh, up in the corner. So from then, I always just had this. And, and occasionally it would have, have the little Spider-Man face on it. And I, I just always had this little corner. It was excellent marketing. Uh, just this little corner of the back of my mind of going, Marvel, there's something good about that logo. And uh, and as I grew up, um, wow, I the, the 90s was a great time for animated shows of Marvel. So we had X-Men, we had Spider-Man. And oh, like the X-Men show was just so good. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, that's another time and another universe. But speaking of universes, Star Trek. Oh, nice. So, uh, this week I have watched a couple of episodes. Um, first of all, we're going to start with episode seven, Mud's Women. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So another, like, just by looking at this title, some of the titles are very revealing. And uh, this title... I could almost guess what this was about before uh, it even got going, you know, because like I was sitting there going, Mud's Women, is this going to be about some overlord kind of type who controls women and and they're super sexy and super 60s? And more or less, that's exactly what the episode was. Um, so uh, full disclosure right now. This has probably been my least favorite episode so far. I did not <gasps> like this episode. Wow, okay. Tell me I more. I did not like this episode. So, starts off, they're in pursuit of this ship. It's like, you know, the the, the, the slowest car chase in space where they're like, oh, the, the ship's ahead of us. It's like, yeah, it's going just that little bit faster. It's like The Last Jedi all over again. And... Uh, Interestingly enough, Sulu is now on the bridge, which... Oh, no, no. Oh, well, Sulu was on the bridge on the uh, Itchy Hands episode. Which was that? Where they, they all start getting drunk. Yeah, ah, so this wasn't the first time that I saw... I suppose this was the first time I saw competent Sulu on the bridge. <laughs> uh, so there we go. Sulu at his most Sulu-iest. Um, and uh, going through an <laughs> uh, having to go through an asteroid field. And Kirk is wanting to... Uh, instead of the ship getting away, uh, or even worse, getting blown up by asteroids, he wants to extend the Enterprise's shields over 
the ship that they're following. And I thought that's a really cool concept, you know. I, th- I thought that was uh, really, uh, really cool. I didn't think that ships could do that. But, of course, doing that uh, expends a lot of energy and their lithium, yes. their lithium crystals... Uh, begin to blow almost as soon as they start to do it. So, But of course, Kirk is willing to do this because he has to find out who's on that ship. And so, of course, you know, in, in great short shorthand for the power is going out, the lights start to dip, and they're like, that's, that's, another, that's another lithium crystal gone, sir. We can only run on one more. And so, of course, they get a distress signal from the ship that they're following. So Scotty's in the transportation room, or whatever you call it, the beamy room, and he's like, we've locked onto something. And I'm like, something? Really? You, something? You're about to beam something onto the ship? You don't know what it is? You're going to beam it on? And I'm just sitting there going, is this good? Ah! At least they are this. consistent. They just don't care. They just beam anything in. They don't care. Yeah. Oh, are you going to beam something onto this ship that's going to almost destroy the entire fabric of the Enterprise? Not exactly, but, you know, it is something very much hazardous. And so they beam aboard. Oh, God. I have written in my notes here. Oh, God. He's Irish. Not only is he Irish, he's Irish. He's Leo Walsh with the worst kind of Irish piratey accent ever. And I'm, oh God, it's God awful. The one, one thing, this is probably one of the only things I liked about this episode. I did like the shorthand in his uh, costume design in that, you, you know, you just took one look at him. You're like, okay, cool, pirate. I get this, um, or you know, kind of swindler. You know, just this big, nice, big, baggy, baggy shirt and an earring and uh, twirled mustache. He's like, okay, so this guy is clearly dastardly, and um, <laughs> and so then Scotty is then just beaming the rest of his people on board, and you're just like, okay, are you gonna check who they are first, or nope, nope, you're just gonna beam them right aboard. But uh, of course, it's sexy sixties ladies. Uh, you know, of course, this episode's called Mud's Women, so... And, of course, even at this stage, I kind of felt like the title of the episode was a slight spoiler, because it was like, he's Leo Walsh. It's like, you sure he's not Mud? Just, just just putting that out there. And, of course, Scotty, Bones, and Spock, they're all in the beamy room, and uh, the um, sexy 60s ladies are all just looking across at them, and they're completely <laughs> bemused. By their beautifulness and their soft focus close-ups, of course Spock, of course, is the first to kind of snap out of this. But Bones and Scotty are just completely good about it all. The the women have these really weird, awkward smiles, and it's just like, is this is this supposed to be sexy? Like, I, I suppose the idea is I, the audience is meant to pick up that. All is not well here, but yeah, but still, it was just so awkward. Like, it this was the first time, and I and this is saying a lot, this was the first time it really felt cheap, like, even though the rest of it was low budget. But I think there's a difference between low budget and cheap, and this episode felt a bit cheap. But then again, then again, spoilers for the rest of the episode, I suppose that is kind of the idea of this, where these women were not what they seemed but uh, we'll get to that and of course you know there's this like you know weird you know like kind of valley of the dolls mark robson cheesy ass music 
and uh, the ladies leave and uh, you know there's close ups of their backsides as they're leaving and Bone <laughs> and Bones is just like looking at uh, at Scotty he's like amen to that Scotty and it's like oh boys boys will be boys Ugh. Um, and uh, and Leo's like oh men will be men and you're just like oh no he actually said it out loud for god's sake oh well so the pink lady, who as we, we later discover her name is Eve. Again, another Genesis reference. <laughs> another Genesis reference. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Very yeah, good. This, this is a running thread here. So uh, Eve uh, apologizes for Leo. And and you can you can tell quite early on that there's something different about Eve. She's, she's, she's up to something or something's going on. And then, of course, the ladies... Um, come in front of Captain Kirk. And Kirk, I was, I was like, oh no, Kirk is on full alert of these <laughs> ladies walking in. He's like, oh, hello. Um, only to discover that they're not, quote unquote, Leah Walsh's crew. They're his cargo. And you're like, don't, 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 what? Human trafficking in the 23rd century? Are you serious? Ah, that, yep, that's that, that that's the way of it, unfortunately. Um, so three unusual females with magnetic effect on the crew. Kirk is talking with Leo and uh, quote unquote Leo, and he's like, "You're a liar, Walsh. I think we understand each other." And I really appreciated that. I think it re- reveals a lot about Kirk's character, but it also it reveals a lot about how self-aware Kirk is. Uh-huh. You know, Kirk isn't 100% an honorable man and he knows it and i you know like there there is that scoundrel aspect of it as as the old irish proverb is athnian kirog kirog ella which means uh, one beetle recognizes another or one beetle knows another and it's i think there's an element of you know you can't bullshit a bullshitter um and i really like that you know or kirk kirk was just like I, I I understand what you're yeah. doing here. If I wasn't so far up in Starfleet or whatever, I would probably be doing what you're doing. But who's to know? Who's to know? Um, so, of course, they're down to one lithium crystal. I'm, I'm amazed at how many different things the writers can come up with that are wrong with the Enterprise. So, of course, they leave two red shirts uh, guarding the girls, which I find very ominous. Although this time proves not uh, unfounded bad feelings but still but still uh, so they're so they're questioning them only to discover eve starts talking to leo and she's like we're heading the wrong way harry whoops harry who the hell is harry the plot thickens i mean at this stage so like what 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 are what are some of your notes michael on this episode at this point I, well i've seen it again in, in recent years when i saw it originally well when i saw it originally i was a child but when i watched it in the 1990s i i liked this episode a lot i think it's i like the performance i like roger c carmel a lot as harry yeah and i gotta tell you harry will be back harry will be back a lot oh god a lot oh a lot he'll return he'll return well relative to the last 60 years he'll return again in in the classic series uh-huh. and he will return in the animated series and at the moment he is back and it's rain wilson from the office who plays oh okay yeah yeah oh, that's yeah. intriguing and um he's really really good like he's a fan favorite because he's seen as a, as just a broad comedic sort of character 
who kind of comes in and those episodes those episodes tend to be fan favorites i think huh. simply because mud mud's a funny character and we like to see his antics and what he gets up to and that fact that he can never be trusted he's a he, he's a pivotal part of discovery over a couple of key episodes so he is he is important to star trek lore the episode itse- episode itself i think i like it a lot yeah I can see its problems. I can see in my notes I wasn't impressed with DeForest Kelly and yeah. Dr. McCoy drooling over the women. Yeah. And I definitely can see how the the messages of it are slum, somewhat dated yeah. by modern eyes. But at the same time, one of the things that's interesting about it is the, um, the drugs element, mm-hmm. which is interesting because Roddenberry's background was in police work. Oh, that's and interesting. Put together, he put together a drugs program an anti-drugs yeah. or drugs rehabilitation program that as to the best of my knowledge certainly up until a few years ago was still in use across america yeah. and he originated it huh. so this was something that he and the, the original idea for this episode came from roddenberry yeah by somebody else and this was actually one of the episodes that nearly became the pilot for the second pilot oh that's interesting so it was scripted at that stage it was scripted at that stage and they thought about yeah. doing this as the pilot but they ended up doing where no one has gone before. I, I like this episode. I, I definitely see the flaws in it. But again, it's early days for Trek. And I think when when you watch this episode, when I watch this episode, it's just really for a laugh. Yeah. And just to see what Mud will do. Yeah, I, I, I suppose I haven't kind of gotten that aspect of Star Trek yet, I suppose. Like, I... I suppose I wasn't expecting it, you know, to be just this simple little romp. Because so far, they have been... Slightly more serious, like, and, and sometimes kind of camping over the top for kind of the wrong reasons. But this one, I suppose, it's <laughs> like, oh, no, this one is supposed to be a bit silly. So, yeah, maybe I missed that. And hopefully, maybe, maybe when I, because I wasn't massively impressed with Harry. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, well, jury, jury's out on him for, for now then. Jury's out. There are times, I mean, Trek will do that in the 60s. There will be other episodes that are clearly meant to be funny. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've already mentioned, and you're aware of Trouble with Tribbles. So yes. You know what the Tribbles are. Yes. And that's an episode that's a fan favourite. Yeah. But if you don't like comedic episodes, you might hate it. Ah, no, it's just, it's just, okay. And I wouldn't, and I wouldn't always be a fan of Trouble with Tribbles because for me, yeah. it's like maybe it's the mood I was in. Maybe I sat down and I was like, I don't want to see a funny episode tonight. But there you go. I want something real. Yes. <laughs> so the crew are on their way to Rigel Twelve to a lithium mine to get more crystals. And at this point, I'm sitting there going, "What is Harry's deal?" Because obviously, his name is Harry, as has been revealed. And so they're interrogating them all. Uh, with a computer lie detector, which was very advanced and very interesting. And uh, and he's like, my name is Leo Walsh. And the computer's like, no, it's not. Stop lying. And he's like, shut up. So Spock, uh, Spock is brilliant in this scene. Spock is just suffering no fools. He's just like, computer says no. And he's just <laughs> like, he's just, nope, you're lying. Tell me again. <laughs> Try again. And so it turns out his name is Harcourt Mud. Uh, Harcourt, oh, he's got a middle name. What is it again? Harcourt. Was it Fenton? No. Yes, Harcourt Fenton Mud. Um, okay. I have that written down later on. So it turns out he's a criminal. <gasps> what? He's a criminal? Really? Um, and and as soon as they find out, he drops one terrible accent to pick up another terrible accent. I just found him really greasy, and I kind of didn't. I, I suppose you're not supposed to like him, but at the same time, I, I didn't warm to him at all. You know, in the way that you would like an 
a kind of classic anti-hero, but we'll see if he comes back. He, 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 might, yeah. he might get better. Maybe, maybe. It might be for you, though. Because I've noticed this sometimes, too, where where people have watched an entire series of something and they're able to enjoy things in hindsight and they're like, oh, this character gets so good. It's like, yeah, but do you remember? Do you actually remember when that character was the most annoying thing? Like at the moment, I have been watching Star Wars, The Clone Wars for the first time and I'm on, I've just started season four and it's amazing and I love it. But uh, for ages, all I was hearing was how much of a fan favorite Ahsoka Tano was. And all I had seen was the movie, was the, the pilot movie that they had released. And she is just so obnoxious, so annoying in that movie. And, and you're just watching it going, really? This is the person who will become the fan favorite? But she's awesome. She's great. And I'm loving it. But uh, but yeah, so it's, it's interesting in that way. So it turns out that uh, Leo Walsh has passed away. The ladies, of course, are still eyeing up the men and using their powers of manipulation. It turns out they were heading to a planet to wive the settlers. He is wiving them, selling them off. To, you know, they're essentially mail order brides. It's still a done thing, it seems. Um, but there's no data on the women, strangely enough. Uh, the computer is detecting the men sweating, though, which is kind of funny. <laughs> and they're like, strike that from the record. It's like, oh, boys. Um, the computer keeps contradicting Harry, which is quite entertaining. I did enjoy that. The women seem to be eager to leave. Eve does all the talking. At this point, none the two other girls hadn't talked yet, which I found was quite interesting. But of course, uh, one of the girls is it Ruth or Maggie? I don't know which she is. Uh, the the green one. Um, that's that's how much this show kind of reduced them down. <laughs> At least they're color coded. They're like the Powerpuff Girls. Oh no, wait, no, no. One of the what what color? Are the, oh, the Powerpuff Girls are red, blue, and green. Oh, so slight slight different uh, colors, but still. I'm just looking. Actually, I, I called up the image here on Memory Alpha, so I'm looking at the picture of yeah. the ladies when they when they arrive in the transporter room. So I know which one you mean, the green one. Yeah. But I just have to say, gosh, I'd forgotten the purple dress is very short. They are very raunchy costumes. They oh, and, yeah. and like and I was thinking that yeah. I was like for the time I was like woof. No wonder this show got a following in the 60s and beyond. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can imagine this show getting many people uh, oh, yeah. hot, hot under the collars and, 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 and perspirating as the computer would detect. As the uh, computer would pick uh, up on it, yes. But yeah, so, the, uh, so the, light, the, the medical apparatus is acting strange and Bones is like, do you have like any kind of strange perfume that might be radioactive or something it's just like oh just casual casually wearing radioactive perfumes is a thing in the 22nd century turns out that uh, mud is planning to take control of the ship kirk's gonna love that because kirk just loves insubordination (laughs) well he loves his ship i mean one of the things i wrote in my notes back in 1992 was an element that you probably comes up later in the script it's all, it, the script says basically Kirk is married to ship. That's his wife. Yes, yes, absolutely. That's his, that's his marriage. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's that's very true, and that and that is something that does uh, does show up later. So Bond just wants to take over the ship, and that's his that's his plan now that he's on the Enterprise. Yes, and uh, so Eve is in Kirk's bed, conveniently. She comes on to him. She's like, I can understand loneliness, and of course Kirk is. 
very susceptible to this. He's trying to fight it, but he can't help himself. And uh, she's caressing his ego, telling him how amazing he is. And the chat loves that. He's done with that. And yeah. And uh, but then all of a sudden he stops not wanting to go through with this and not wanting to go through with Harry's plan. Interestingly enough, she's conflicted. And you're like, what is Harry's plan? Meanwhile, we discover that the other two girls are off doing their part of the plan and they all come back to Mud kind of going okay so we've done our devious part of the plan and he's like oh good girls and then Eve comes back and she's like I couldn't do it yeah she she seems hesitant I think because she seemingly has feelings for Kirk because of course she does because he's William Shatner of course she's like you exactly. didn't tell me he was William Shatner I can't do it so uh, she's getting weak and she's like it must be near the time and at this point you're like Hmm, what's going on here? What's what are they? Are they? Are, is this another shapeshifter story? Are they? Are they really old and decrepit? You know, I was speculating, wondering, and uh, turns out one of those was semi right, but well, not even. And I suppose that that is an interesting concept of this episode. Um, so, uh, <laughs> Kirk. Did you examine her? And Bones was like, she refused. And Kirk is like, come on, you're the doctor. I was like, what? Dude, consent, what? (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Calm down. So uh, Bones is wondering whether or not they actually are hot, which uh, he seems to be onto something with regards where this episode goes. He's like, you know, we, we have seen hotter women, Kirk. And why is it that we're all of a sudden just super attracted to these ladies? So Mud contacts the miners. Uh, how he? Ma- oh yeah, because because the other girls go off and manage to get a communicator so that he can uh, call ahead to the miners. And they beam up one of the miners, and it seems the girls are aging somewhat. But Mud gives them something that makes them sexy again. Very mysterious. The episode, the script is pretty good. So as regards, it little droplets, something mysterious, something else. So if you don't know where it's going, you're like, oh, here's something. And every five or ten minutes, there's something else to make you go, what's yes. going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's true. And of course, um, what do you call it? Uh, Eve is hol- uh, is holding the pill in her hands and it's it's glowing red. It kind of reminded me a little bit of Logan's Run, you know, with the uh, with the little crystal flashing in the hand. That's a film I am shocked they have not remade yet. I think there have been many attempts, but they've always been in um, development hell. I know Brian Singer, um, who definitely won't be doing it now. Yeah, Brian Singer had that as a project he was going to work on for a long time. I mean, he was really passionate about making that happen. Is Brian Singer passionate about projects? Not from what I've heard. (laughs) So it's unlikely to go ahead now at this stage. So somebody will bring it back because as well as being a really good novel, comic book and TV series, it was a a really great film as well. And it deserves, it's a franchise that needs to come back. Yeah, it's so good. And I think, I think it would be so powerful kind of in this day and age as well, given a lot of, you know, the divides between the young and the old and, Absolutely. you know, that, that whole kind of okay boomer culture, I think would be really interesting to, to and, 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 and even, you know, be, being, being a man in, in my 30s now, uh, just even looking at how the difference between being 30 and being in your 20s is, I think there, there's such a story uh, to be retold. Absolutely. 
and I would think, I would hope that a good director or scriptwriter could bring as well the the thing out, the idea of a population believing something that's not necessarily true. Yes, just blindly following. Oh, that's a yes. power, of, and that's that comes out. I'm watching the TV series at the moment again. I've seen it about ten years ago. I'm rewatching. Oh, there's a TV series. I didn't realize that. Excellent. Some of the same writers of Star Trek were worked on the TV series, Dorothy Fontana. Yeah. And I think it's almost, almost as good as classic Trek. It's a really good show. Oh, that's cool. I may look into it. Although that being said, oh, I'm do. going to be watching Star Trek do. for the next couple of years. Well, it's, it's only 14 <laughs> episodes. Logan's Run is only 14 episodes. It got cancelled. So Ooh. you could easily watch it in the, you know, you could blow through it. And yeah. it's well worth seeing. Well worth seeing. Mm. So speaking of crystals, the miners are looking to swap the crystals uh, for the women. Interestingly enough, I have noted here as well, there's still no word of Starfleet, which I think is kind of cool. You know, there's there's still, they still don't have that element of the world building in place yet, which is very um, interesting or the idea of a federation or any of that kind of stuff. I'm finding really uh, intriguing that uh, it's not there yet. So uh, Mud is putting Kirk in a very sticky situation because, of course, uh, the miners just want the women and Kirk is like no I can't do it and of course the Enterprise needs these crystals so they go down to the planet to this adorable model village this uh, great little um, scale model but you know it works it works and uh, there's all sorts of sandstorms magnetic storms and uh, the ladies walk in to greet the miners and they instantly just start dancing with the men and at this point, I, I, I still don't know their plan. And it's like, I'm almost expecting like a red wedding or something. <laughs> where it just gets super dark. And they're all just, or, or like um, dawn, uh, dusk till dawn, you know. Oh, <laughs> where, yes. Where, 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 where they just draw them in. And then all of a sudden they turn out to be like succubi or something. and just start eating everybody. I was waiting for something. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't as uh, as exciting as that. Evie, of course, runs away. She feels rejected because all the boys are fighting over the other two girls because Evie just isn't feeling right. It's, uh, yeah. It, yeah, to, to be honest, you know, this... She goes off and she ends up being a little house housewife for one of the miners and he comes in and uh, it just wasn't feeling it, you know? Then it turns out that they were all on drugs, on Venus drugs, uh, that were making them super hot and super sexy. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I just, I've, I, I, I ran out of petrol on this episode in the same way that I'm running out of petrol and talking about this yeah, episode. Yeah, well, yeah, it's not, not, not every episode's going to be for every fan. I mean, that's yeah. just the nature of, yeah. a, of a long running TV series. Yeah, because, because, because I was trying to, I was trying to even just decipher what, what it was trying to say. Because, like, you know, was, was it trying to make a comment, a commentary on how, men marry these super beautiful women but then they age and become housewives that you know i don't even know it was just uh yeah there's an interesting note here i'm just looking at memory alpha again which is a great resource and it's on this episode and it just i'll just quote it verbatim nbc program manager jerry stanley recalled that quote one of the problems we had was in trying to talk Roddenberry out of some of his sexual fantasies that would come to life in the scripts. Right. Some of the scenes he would describe were totally unacceptable. End of quote. And I knew that anyway. Roddenberry, um, he had very strong, 
ideas on sexuality and the roles of the sexes. Yeah. And that was something that he he had done work on. He worked on TV. He, he was a yeah. scriptwriter on Westerns like Have Gun, Will Travel. Yeah. But with Star Trek, he had a chance, he felt, to put his ideas into scripts. So again, you, you're seeing here some of his ideas put forward. Um, and that's something he will try to do a lot moving forward. But then again, if you think about it, I mean, this is in the context of this was the swinging 60s. Of course. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, that 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 is understandable. Completely. Not, not yeah. necessarily excusable, but, you know, contextually understandable. Absolutely. You would say, I always say about problematic scripts or episodes, and I watch a lot of old TV. Yeah. They're of the times. It's of the times. It yes. is, and you have to evaluate yeah. it, I think, also as being part of an era and the way that that's what life was like. Yeah. So she she takes the drugs and she's like, you know, is this is this the, is this the kind of wife you want? And it turns out that Kirk replaced it with gelatin. So it's like so are the, so they're making a point about the placebo effect, you know. And it, it was it was just really I, I I suppose because she did seem to physically improve, and it's it's like. What what point are you trying to make? It just yeah yeah, yeah. and and then yeah. and then what didn't help either was I found that her rapport with Kirk was just so flat that when she decides to stay with the miner on the planet and she's like oh no no what what is it um, essentially what what you were saying earlier you're married to your ship oh there, there's someone Kirk has someone call uh, she has some he has someone up above called the Enterprise. And uh, and it's like, oh, what was that? Was that ever a thing that the two of them might have ended up together? Like it, it just felt felt completely flat for me. In conclusion, I think Spock just summed up this episode perfectly by saying a most annoying emotional episode. I was like, well said, Spock. <laughs> I couldn't have put it better myself. It was just yeah. I, I have I have written here shite episode had to happen. <laughs> yeah. However, however, I thoroughly enjoyed the next episode. Okay, tell me more. Episode 8, what are little girls made of? First of all, what is up with some of these titles? <laughs> It's like as soon as it started, I was like, oh no, is this another misogynistic fantasy? And turns out it is, but it has a much better commentary. So it turns out that, so we have this lady, Christine, who has given up a career in bio-research to join the Enterprise so she can search for her fiancé, Roger Corby, Dr. Roger Corby, who is said to be the Louis Pasteur of, uh, uh, I, I have here written, Big Immunity Doctor. Um, so he has done so much for medicine. Uh, so they're going to the planet XO3, which is wonderfully, wonderfully futuristic. You know, if you if if you want to make your planet sound futuristic, put an X in it. But it's not looking good. Not not looking good. He could be dead. Basically, all the crew's kind of sitting there going, yeah, this isn't going to happen. But then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Uhura picks up his signal and dramatic looks all around. And then cut to opening title, but I, I I do I do love how the show does you know does the dramatic moments and the dramatic reveals. I am really enjoying that because it's super cheesy. So I have written here. Okay, I am kind of liking the Grand Enterprise CGI. So 
there, 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 there was a really nice shot. It was like a nice big low shot of the Enterprise. I'm like, okay, yeah, I can, I can kind of dig that. You know, I, th- I th- did you get a chance to go to YouTube and see any comparisons? That all the I did, I did see some comparisons. Now I didn't want to go all in because, of course, there were spoilers and whatnot mm-hmm. beyond. Um, but but it was more so just for the for the ship special effects that I was really curious about. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I I was kind of sitting there going, okay, yeah, I'm I'm I am actually digging this. Roger gets in touch, uh, but he wants Kirk to beam down just by himself, and uh, and Christine recognizes his voice, and they're like, yeah, no, no, this is, this should be good, this should be good, and so they go down to this. It's it's an ice planet, this lovely, nice shot of a glacier. It's nice to see a real a real life landscape for a change, as opposed to a fantasy map painting. Corby doesn't seem to be there, and things are. Very suspicious. So they beam down two security staff who are wearing red shirts. I'm like, oh, <laughs> they're doomed. <laughs> and um, it's all very mysterious. I love I love how they've got this deep, dark chasm and they're looking down. They're like, wow, how far does it go down? I don't know. But they never actually show it. <laughs> I was like, that's low budget filmmaking at its finest. Wow, that's a really big, deep chasm down there. I hope nobody falls down. How far does it go? I don't know. I can't even see. It's all left up to the imagination. Smart. And so then, of course, there's an ominous silhouette revealed and it turns out to be Dr. Brown. All of a sudden, the red shirt fell down. No! <laughs> the red shirt fell down the chasm. Only for it to be briefly uh, shown that it was creepy, bald lurch. And now, correct me if I'm wrong, that, that is lurch from the original... Adam. Yes. Uh, yeah, I was I was like... Yeah, that, yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure that was him. But uh, yeah, so for, for a while I, in my notes, I have him just simply referred to as Lurch. The other doctor, oh yeah, of course, Dr. Brown sitting there going, oh no, that was unfortunate. And it's like, dude, insensitive much. Um, but he's super shifty. There's something going on here. And I, I do, I am enjoying this part of every episode where you're just like, Okay, we all know that there's something shady going on, but what is it going to be this time? Is it going to be psychics? Is it going to be robots? Is it going to be a love potion? Is it what? What is it? What is it? That I am actually beginning to enjoy to try and work out what's going on, and then uh, lurches back and uh, and he kills the other red shirt, and the red shirt isn't able to pass on any of Kirk's messages up to the Enterprise, so. It turns out that uh, Dr. Corby, he was uh, an archaeologist and he was digging in these deep, dark chasms and he discovered things. A mechanized culture that had moved beyond light and dark and emotion and all of this kind of thing. So I'm like, okay, mechanized culture, that's interesting. So then in enters another super sexy 60s lady. Hi! And her name is Andrea. And spoilers, I had to laugh because her name is Andrea. I was like, I bet you she's an android. <laughs> Very good. Andrea the android. Now, of course, I, I it was, I think it was more, more so uh, just before it was revealed that she was uh, an android. Oh, no, be, oh, because at first, ah, yeah, because it's, it's not even revealed that there's any androids going on uh, at this point. Um, so, yeah. Christine is, of course, super jealous that this super hot... And now I have to say, this woman is beautiful. 
She's absolutely stunning. Oh, I agree. I mean, I had that Sherry Jackson. I, I wrote that in my notes as well. Sherry Jackson. She is stunning. Gorgeous beyond belief. I wrote that down as well. I, I, I thought she was fabulous as well. I thought she was really good in the script as well. I thought she was a really good actress as well. She was. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the soon-to-be-wed couple are reunited and it's and it's lovely and um what's his name corby he embraces christine and is like nah they're all back together but she's like so uh who's andrea even kirk is like kind of subtly fanboying over corby where he's like oh you don't have to introduce yourself dr corby here like kirk is fanboying i mean it's as fanboyish as kirk will be still no word off the red shirt funnily enough but brown pulls a gun on Kirk as soon as Kirk goes to uh, communicate with the Enterprise and you're like what are they protecting what's going on here and Kirk grabs Andrea and then does the most spectacular Ace Ventura roll across the room (laughs) it's like you did not need to roll (laughs) but he did and it was spectacular and so uh, Brown is shot and it turns out that he is an android He's got android parts spewing out of him. And then Lurch runs in and it is all revealed to be something much more dark and sinister. And then Lurch contacts the Enterprise using Kirk's voice. So long before the Terminator was doing this, we have Lurch doing this. And I'm like, ah, I see it, I see it, you know. What's wrong with Wolfie? Uh, I love you too, darling. So, um, but why, like, I was watching this one with my wife and she was like, why don't they have a code word? Like, why doesn't the Enterprise have a code word or something? I mean, like, they had this in Captain Marvel where whenever any Kree met each other, they had a code in case one of them was a was a, a, a scroll, a replicant, or you know? And, um... The Enterprise seriously need a code or something to say, hey, is this really you? Yes. I mean, no. I mean, yeah, yes, I'm I'm not a replicant. So, uh, yeah, that was fun. And so, of course, Corby is uh, saying, you know, to Lurch, you will never harm Christine. Or as we discover, his name is Rock, which is a great name. I love it. It's just such a sturdy name. Hmm. And and of the earth, you know, it's it's simple but effective. Um, you know, it's almost as effective as Lurch. <laughs> so Corby trusts Lurch, which is oh well, Rock. Now, as 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 is revealed. Now, I really enjoyed this concept that he starts talking about. Um, that Corby starts talking about about the number of discoveries lost because of superstition. Because that is true. That you know, how many, how much knowledge here on Earth have we lost because of superstition? Uh, where people are either asking the wrong questions or going uh, like what was said about early 20th century archaeologists was they went they went in with a spade in one hand and a bible in the other hand essentially going in to to prove what the bible was saying you know in 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 a lot of ways which is kind of interesting and but it reminded me a lot of Newgrange um, here in Ireland for anyone who's listening and isn't familiar with Newgrange Newgrange is this ancient Neolithic tomb, uh, which is older than Stonehenge, and is this long passage tomb that goes underground, and uh, every winter solstice, the sun shines directly down the long passage tomb and uh, lights it up. It's quite amazing. But for 
centuries, for millennia, like because this thing's 5,000 years old, for millennia remained untouched because people believed that the fairies lived in there and they wouldn't go near it. It was the same actually with the Marble Arch Caves in Ireland as well, uh, where people wouldn't go in and explore them because they believed that the fairies lived in there and they didn't want to go in and disturb them because there's massive fairy superstition in Ireland. And I I, I thought that was a really cool uh, concept to bring up. And that that is that's something that I'm really enjoying about Star Trek is these questions of ethics, questions of, you know, what what do we do and how do we do them? That's going to come up a lot. You're going to find that you're going to see that come up. There's always you always get the impression with Star Trek that the people making it were smart and had something to say. And it's going to come up. Yeah. Superstition, religion, the idea. And it's one of the best things about the show. I mean, unfortunately, I do know there's there's a couple of twists later on in movies that I am aware of. Like, I, I, no, at least I, I don't know which... Well, actually, I think I do. I think, is it... The first one, they're after, they're looking for this bizarre signal. It turns out it, it was actually Voyager or something. Oh, yeah. Star Trek, the motion picture. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then I think, was it the undiscovered country where they go looking for God or something like that? Or um, it, uh, It's five. Five. It's, it's, it's the fifth one. Star Trek five. Yeah. I don't confirm any twists because I may be misremembering, but I know it's something about going and finding God. So... And kind of in- intrigued about that. So it turns out that Rock is a more complex android than uh, Brown or Andrea, the android. Corby essentially used this technology to create these new androids. And so he built Brown, he built Andrea. And there's a, then there's great scene between Andrea and Christine. And Christine is just so jealous. And uh, like you're almost waiting for, for a fight to break out because Andrea is calling Dr. Corby, Roger. And she's like, oh, do you not like me calling him Roger? He's like, no, no, I don't like calling. And he's like, Andrea, from now on, you can call me Dr. Corby. And she's like, okay, Dr. Corby. And it's okay, okay. But Christine is not convinced. I mean, I thought this was really interesting just with regards to the way that even technology is going nowadays, like with sex robots and sex dolls and and like realistic and... um, how he's talking about, uh, so he's like, there's, there's no emotional bond with her, you know. I, I, I don't care about her. And Christine is just, again, not convinced. It's like, you know, why did you make her so hot then? <laughs> he's like, you can feel her pulse. It's like, and she's like, oh, that's convenient. Um, it's yeah, it's squirrely to say the very least. So finally, Kirk has come to the conclusion. So if all of the androids follow Corby's commands, then why did the androids do damage? Why did they hurt the red shirts? So Kirk is knocked out and he wakes up on a machine. And we've got this weird green foam body that's placed on the machine. Which And this is how to make an android. It's this weird spinny disc thing. It reminds me of something out of Joe 90. Yeah. Even the angles that it's shot at is just like I was just almost waiting for ding, do, do, ding, do, 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 You know, I was just waiting for it all to start up. Either that or the uh, really trippy boat scene from uh, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Of course, Christine is totally calling out Corby on his ethics. And she's like, you know, when when we worked together, life was sacred to you. 
and now Corby just is essentially playing God and oh I love these stories I love the you know man shouldn't meddle and all of this kind of I always love that line in Age of Ultron where the writers essentially try and skip that whole thing where people are talking about AI and whether or not you should and Tony Stark just basically says I don't want to hear the man shouldn't meddle meddly <laughs> you know <laughs> and it's like yeah that's that's just true that's fair so this is the interesting thing so Corby wants to prove to them what he can do he didn't want to be beamed up onto the ship and telling them all of these wild stories he wanted to bring them down and show them as the android kind of spins around we we then see that it is becoming Kirk's form very simple but effective uh, little way of shooting it I thought it was really well done yeah I agree yeah and it was very smart keeping the wall up between them as well so that you could have one sitting on one side and one sitting on the other never the twain shall meet or will they so which is your captain I I also love the old analog plugs on the machinery pad I was just like ah that's great. You know, it's, it's, it's like an old switchboard almost. Uh, Christine is sitting down to a meal with Kirk. And instantly I'm kind of sitting there going, is this the real Kirk? Oh, Yeah, and so they begin just questioning Corby's ethics. And she's like, well, he is Roger Corby. Apparently, I think they've established it very well at the start by saying he is the Louis Pasteur of medicine today, you know, where... He is, he's a name. It's like, he is Roger Corby. And so it's like, could he be doing wrong? Even though what we're seeing looks super messed up. Could it be otherwise? So let's find out. But then of course, she can't eat. And Kirk pushes away his meal as well. He's like, androids don't eat. Bum, bum, bum. But um, yeah, I mean, that, that, that wasn't a massive twist. But then the real Kirk walks in and I have to say, really impressive split screen. Like so many times when that effect is done, there's something, you know, it's like a double exposure or, you know, it just looks grainy. It looks awkward. But this was really well done and I was very, very impressed uh, with how they did it. Again, I'm looking at a, I absolutely agree. I'm, well, I'm looking at a screenshot here on Memory Alpha and I'm reminded that I absolutely agree. Often on TV shows of the 60s and 70s and even into the 80s, this kind of thing doesn't always work. Yeah. But I'm looking at that and I'm remembering it, it's fine. They really, they yeah. really did it. Unless, unless they super tidied it up for the Redux version. I it's possible, but I don't think so. I, I think it's just again. I think the I think I think it was always looked pretty good. I think Star Trek was always good in terms of the visuals. There's a lot of control yeah. on Star Trek over soft focusing of the ladies, of the lighting in the background. Yes. I think other shows that tried it, sci-fi shows that I'm thinking like Invisible Man in the '70s or Gemini Man or Bionic Man or Bionic Woman, some yeah. were outdoors or they didn't have as much control. Star Trek, I think, were they controlled what they were shooting better. I think as a rule as a rule and that helps with those kind of effects yeah and it's great for Shatner too and just thinking as well like we're only a few episodes in and you can see how much, uh, how much for an actor how great it is he gets to play two Captain Kirks again again yeah yeah and two different ones like you know this is now an android version you know so it, uh, yeah I, I agree with you like it's a, it's a real treat for Shatner absolutely and one of my favourite Shatner stories and I'm not going to spoil anything but it's the last episode produced for original Trek and everybody knew the show was cancelled. They just knew it. They just knew it was over. And this episode that they were making, there was even question marks over whether the network would screen it. And in fact, they didn't. They pushed it back to the summer reruns. Okay. So technically, it didn't air as part of the run. Oh, that sucks. However, 
it's a really good script for for Shatner because again he's playing two Kirks. Hmm. And he was so enthused, and I, there's a, I have an interview book, the Star Trek interview book, and the director of the episode remembers vividly Shatner invited himself and the lead actress who who, need, who was and round to his house for the weekend, and they spent the weekend just workshopping the script and really putting effort into it. Shatner didn't care about the ratings, didn't care about anybody seeing it, but he loved the work. Oh, that's cool. He loved the work. Yeah, I thought it was very cool, yeah, yeah. Well, I have that to look forward to down the road. So it turns out then that the that Android Kirk has Kirk's memories. They synced up their synapses and uh, and they share memories. They talk of Kirk's brother Sam, who was back on Earth, and even Kirk mis is uh, he kind of feeds him the wrong. Well, the question is, does he does Kirk misremember? Or does he purposely give the wrong information to try and catch out the android? But the android either way corrects him. So the whole dilemma here, the whole thing of what Corby is trying to do is he's sitting there going, humans could be immortal beyond disease, beyond, you know, anything. You know, this is this is something that has been explored time and time and time and time again in science fiction. I suppose all the way back to Metropolis and various things like that. Like it was really cool just to see it tackled here in in low budget form. Kirk then mentions a whole pile of like different dictators who like promised immortality, like uh, Genghis Khan and Hitler, and then he mentions Vatuvus. And I am wondering, either do I not recognize that name? I'm going to Google that name. Do I not recognize the name, or? Is that a nice little piece of world building of another? I would imagine it's probably world building. I'm looking at memory alpha here as well, just looking for references. Yeah, I would, my suspicion yeah. is that it's just the writers building the the 200 plus years between. Yes, uh, exactly. Yeah, and and, and I like that that yeah. you know that there were there was some other you know. Funnily enough, Don, Don, Donald Trump didn't get mentioned in there, but. Uh, <coughs> uh, Kirk is quietly um, undoing the ropes on the side of his chair, which are, for some reason, wrapped around his chair conveniently. Corby wants a planet to experiment on, but Kirk, out of the blue, then jumps up and chokes Corby because, of course, Kirk is worried about being replaced. And Corby is like, no, 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 I wasn't trying to replace you. I was just trying to prove to you that what I could do. I have written down here as well. I love Rock's design. I think it's really cool. I'm glad that they didn't go for like a, a big I am a robot kind of a, a deal. You know, they went in a completely different direction. Like, obviously, yeah, he's he's big and he's tall and stuff. But, you know, he's, he's got a big giant kind of smoking jacket thing with a big high collar or whatever it is. And even just the color palette of the kind of silvers and pinks and stuff. I thought it was a really quite an inspired look. And it was very much thinking beyond I am an android, which I thought was cool. Cool. So uh Kirk grabs a stalactite while he's on the run from rock and it's it's wonderfully phallic. Of course Rock is trying to trick Kirk by putting on Christine's voice. But of course, Kirk is not fooled. That that's something again that I do like about this show as well is that it's not that Kirk isn't always fooled, and you can see that in him. And uh, you know, it, it it again it plays to his strength. It plays to uh, who he is and what he does, and that you know things like that. That ru- a ruse like that 
doesn't affect him, but at the same time turns out that he's just simply not strong enough to hit rock in a way with the <clears throat> rock. Although I had to laugh whenever he fall whenever he falls down the chasm and like grabs onto the edge of the edge of the cliff, you can see the polystyrene wobble as he grabs it. And like if you look close enough you can actually see the little blops of polystyrene. Uh yeah, but uh, you know this is just it is what it is. It's fine. It's fine. But I find not so much with Star Trek. I watch a lot of old TV. I was watching a couple of things yesterday, and it's so so many times. Was, oh yeah, one thing I was watching last night. You see a boom mic, or you see something just on the edge of screen that they would have got away with on yeah, old TVs. Yeah. But it's just things that don't work now with our squarer imagery yes. and larger screens. And the more than the uh, rocks yeah. in a cave wobbling a bit, you, you kind of have to just ignore it. It's like seeing a stage play; you just ignore it. Yeah, there's a brilliant, um, there's a brilliant video actually that uh, H Bomber guy uh, did on YouTube about how watching movies on video actually improved certain movies, particularly horror movies, because the picture isn't one hundred percent clear. Your imagination is allowed to go even further. And he he uses aliens as an example because you're watching it and you can't, your eyes just can't quite decipher what is in the background as well as when you're watching it in HD. And it's a really good point. You know, it, it that format really enhances a lot of scary movies in particular, which I, 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 th- I thought was very uh, a, a very smart uh, observation. Yep. Uh, so Android Kirk is aboard the Enterprise now. Again, Scotty, could you not detect that he was an android? <laughs> oh my God, seriously. So he's super short with Spock, calls him like a half-breed, and Spock is like, whoa, dude, that hurt. Um, as, as, as much as Spock would be hurt. Well, he would be hurt, you see, but he won't show it. Of course, of course, of course, of course, fair enough. He'd be, he'd be like, no, I'm fine. I'm not hurt. Yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. I'll go I'm cry fine. in the corner, beat somebody oh, up with my super <laughs> Vulcan powers. Um, some really nice cinematography then with Kirk, uh, with Android Kirk while he's walking through the corridor. It's an, uh, this lovely handheld shot following him through the corridor into the into the elevator, which I thought was very, very nice shot. And, it, you know, it's, it brings in this almost this kind of mechanical. There's something sinister about this guy, which I, th- I thought was very good. We then cut back to Kirk and Andrea, real Kirk and Andrea, to get alone together, and Kirk just straight out kisses her. And I'm just sitting there going, "What is he just like? Kind of going, well, well. When in Rome, she's a robot. Let's let's see how far this this can go. It's like what? Okay, yeah. but." Then, as it turns out, she's like, she's not programmed for him and she's confused. And this got so much more interesting for a split second. I'm like, is she just faking being an android or what's going on here? Um, But it turns out, you know, Kirk is really trying to seduce her and then Rock stops him. So Rock starts talking about how the machines got frustrated with illogical organisms. And again, this is something that becomes more and more... um, you know, it becomes a, a science fiction cliche, you know, where AI gets too powerful and mankind tries to pull the plug. And, you know, they did it in Terminator. They did it in Matrix. They did it in Age of Ultra. You know, they 
etc etc but this i i really liked um just the the concept of that it was humanity's feelings that just it confused the logic of the programming which i thought was kind of cool so kirk begins to convince rock that um survival must must cancel out programming and so here we are kind of even going uh, uh, beyond the um, rules of robotics and all of that. That's quite you know? deep, isn't it? That That's, that's yeah. lovely, isn't it? That's wonderful. I, I, yeah, I love that. Just the idea of... It's great to see that kind of stuff on primetime TV in 1966. Yeah. It's brilliantly, yeah. And so once Corby comes back in, Rock is kind of beginning to question Corby and Corby just straight up destroys him. He just straight up just zaps him out of existence. It's like, whoa! To which I, I, I write down here, it's like, Corby has become the man without emotion. He is the one. Uh, and then, of course, mm. it turns out only a few moments later that he has androided himself. He has, yes. He is on the android steroids. But uh, really good uh, AI debate exploration. I it was, it was funny just kind of noticing that how Corby... And it's something they don't really say out loud, but just that idea of... You know, because Corby used to be this caring man and now he is cold and calculating and not passionate, dispassionate. And so it's uh, it's, it's, it's really interesting and very well done. And a nice little subtle, subtle thing. So it turns out he built himself a new body. Really nice hand makeup because he gets blasted in the hand and it's revealed that uh, he's Arnold Schwarzenegger underneath Um and uh, or Luke Skywalker actually would be a better better comparison there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And I th- I thought it was really good uh, a really good little prosthetic to show, but then of course so Spock lands on the planet. Android Kirk refuses Andrea. He's like, nope, that's highly illogical, and she just straight up murders him. She just zaps him out of existence. Is like, okay, what's going on here? And I'm and I'm like, is Andrea? not an android and she comes in starts talking to Corby she thinks it's just the two of them and she's speaking much more naturally less kind of pulled back and it's like is she not an android and everyone's questioning has Roger Corby lost his Roger Corbyness? and he's like I am Roger Corby eventually then he hands over the phaser and Andrea wants to love Roger and then she kills them both and it's something I I think there was just an extra layer of development that was missing with Andrea that could have just really made that moment a little more poignant. But at the same time, I thought it was very good all the same. I love that that idea then that they say Corby Corby was never here. He you know that he had be Corby had died mm. a long time ago. You know more machine now than man, twisted and evil. <clears throat> <clears throat> So it turns out then Christine is staying aboard and that more or less was the end of this episode. How do you feel about Christine? Because you've seen now Nurse Chapel featured heavily in two episodes, yes? How do you feel about her as a member of the crew? Do you like her? Do you care about her? If you never see her again... Would oh, so this is so. So this was her first? Production-wise, yeah. I think, yeah. It was that- yeah, because I, 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 this is her joining. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean... To be honest, she hasn't really made an impression on me until now. Yeah, 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 yeah. If I had seen this episode first where it was like, this character is Christine, this person is important. Because, yeah, I I, I just didn't really 
I didn't really take her on kind of before this. It was like, okay, this is a nurse character, but, you know, it... And that's an episode as well where you don't... McCoy's not in that episode, right? I'm just taking my own notes and... Um, no, he's not, yeah. actually, interestingly enough. And um, but Spock doesn't have a lot to do. He's not in the... No. no he's not in the plan. Spock's barely in this episode at all. Yeah, so it's interesting because we've talked before and you've said it and it's one of the things about Star Trek. It's the three characters are the core of Star Trek. But there are episodes like this one where they don't go that route and it's not about the three characters. Yeah. It's just an adventure for Kirk and happens to be for yeah. Christine as well, actually. Yeah. And yeah, and, and, and it works. I, 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 I love this episode. I thought it was really enjoyable. I thought the design of the episode, like the production design was really good. I thought the characters were all really good, really interesting. Yeah, I th- I, th- I thought this was a, r- a really great episode. Like, yeah, I mean, of course, I mean, it had it had a lot of its <clears throat> classic '60s problematic story points, but I find that this episode addressed those a little bit more. Where Christine calls Corby on on him creating this absolutely beautiful and Andrea, and um, you know, it it is less problematic than previous episodes mm. that I have mm. watched. And that's saying a lot, given that there was essentially a, you know, a sex doll, sex robot. <laughs> sex robot. Um, arguably, arguably, now, now, now Corby said he never loved her, but what that means is up for debate. Interpretation, absolutely, yeah. Um, no, this is not her introduction. No, this is the 10th, sorry, I was wrong. That's the, this is, what this one is, this is the 10th episode produced. So she had been on the ship before, like, oh. it's the 10th one produced, yeah. Um, so this was they were well up and running by the time they made this episode obviously like they had done hmm. they were a couple of months into production that's um yeah Jean Roddenberry's wife did you know that 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 actress Christine is Mrs Jean Roddenberry oh so here we have another terminator parallel because uh, of course Linda Hamilton married of course James Cameron very good for a while and until he went and um made titanic <clears throat> and that lady as well um she's also the voice of the enterprise on star trek the next generation really that's cool mm. oh that that's that's a nice touch she recorded all the dialogue for for the for the yeah. enterprise so she is the enterprise i oh i always love little jobs like that where literally someone can walk in and record their an entire season in one day i love uh i love jobs like that where these characters who are such a big monumental part of this entire season and fans are like this person this actor was such a massive part of this entire season and yet to the actor they're like oh yeah i I did that for a day well one of the best examples is is, and i'm not a big fan of it but in the 80s you had knight rider yeah william daniels is a fantastic actor and he was on another show at that time yeah elsewhere and he was working on it but he would get. I, I don't know how many times a year he had to do it, but he would just do the voice of Kit, and he'd yeah. just do a, a looping session. And four or five times a year, he had done the whole season. I and know. Yet he's integral. Yes. To Night Rider. Yeah. It's it's you know what were you going to say? Sorry. Um. Have you watched Avatar: The Last Airbender? No. Oh wow! It is one of the best TV shows ever made, and I am, and that's not an understatement. The writing. The characters, the storytelling is top notch. It's animated. Do not watch the live action movie. It's god awful. But the animated show, it's all on Netflix. It is fantastic. Three seasons and it's like, I mean, it's a kid's show, but it's 
so much more. Like the writing is just fantastic. But uh, but but the, the the reason why I was saying that was because uh, like there's one of the character one of the main uh, the main villain essentially of the entire series is voiced by Mark Hamill, and anytime I watch it, I'm like, he probably recorded this in a day, <laughs> you know, this entire thing. He probably did it in a day, but it's so good, like. But yeah, highly recommend. I see Jason Isaacs. I'm looking here on Wikipedia and Jason Isaacs as well. Yes, Jason Isaacs was in it. Yeah, oh, there's so, that's, so many. That's a Star Trek connection right there. So, um, that's, and I love Jason Isaacs. Oh yeah, Jason Isaacs. He's in the new one, isn't Discovery. he? Discovery, mm-hmm. is he? I love Jason Isaacs. He's so Brilliant good. actor. Brilliant actor. But uh, nice, nice way to bring it back to Star <laughs> Trek there because for now we're just going to wrap that up in a nice little bow Very and leave this for another episode. So thumbs down for Mud's Women, but thumbs up. Thumbs down for Mud's Women, two thumbs up for uh, What Are Little Girls Made Of? Which, again, poor choice of, of name. What, like, ugh, it's so weird and creepy. And then given what the episode is then about, it's not any less creepy, so... <laughs> But apart from that, but apart from that, it's fantastic. Good, it's far, good, it's fantastic. Good, good. So you're definitely enjoying um, Star Trek. Good. Glad yes, to hear oh, I'm glad, loving it. Glad, loving glad, it. Glad to hear it, yeah. Because there's always a possibility it mightn't be for you at all. Like, so it's good. You don't know, yeah. Yeah, and that was and that was something that was I was a little bit worried about with Mud's women, where I was like, oh, am I beginning to suffer from fatigue here? Am I beginning to just go, oh no? But no, it just turns out it was a. I, d- I didn't like yeah. that episode. Yeah, I, as I said at the time, yeah, it's just the tone. You you will have comedic episodes coming along. And you might just hate them, and then there'll be the following yeah. week. will be something quite deep, and you'll be like, "Oh, I get this. I see what they're doing here," and you really dig it. So I think it'll, you'll be okay. I think you'll be okay. Yeah. No Star Trek fan likes all yeah. seventy-eight episodes. It just isn't the case. So just yeah. isn't the case. Um, I'm probably wrong I'm there, but I presume nobody likes them all equally. But <laughs> someone somewhere, somewhere is sitting there going, "I like them all. I <laughs> like a couple them all. ones, and we haven't got to them yet. But there's ones I detest. So it's you know, it's all you're yes. all over the place, you know." So that was good fun. That was good fun Ooh. for another, another. Yes, episode. absolutely. So I will. Until mm. next time, dear Michael. How can people find you if they want to Track find you? Track me down on Twitter. I'd say is the best thing. Riker Donegal. A good Star Trek reference there. Riker Donegal is my name on Twitter, and I also use that on Instagram. And from that, you can find my comic book blog and anything else. Because I usually everything is double posted to Twitter usually. So you'll track me down that way if you so desire excellent and if anyone wants to find me they can do so on facebook instagram twitter and patreon at john d ruddy and of course youtube uh, where you can see all my money man does history mm. videos and all that jazz um, you can support the creation of this podcast by supporting us on patreon at john d ruddy so get in there folks and i will chat to you next time thank you so much for listening folks If you'd like to see t-shirts based on this podcast, please let me know. This podcast was presented by John D. Ruddy with special guest Michael Leddy. It was produced by John D. Ruddy and edited by John D. Ruddy. If you know anybody out there who you think might enjoy this podcast, please send it their way. But for now, I will leave you to it. And as they say in the world of Star Trek, live long and black lives matter.